Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It really is our responsibility as the leaders of today to produce that next generation of leaders. So your legacy as a leader is not only that next generation that you produce, but then that generation that they produce after them. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this is the last episode we are recording from North Carolina for a while. We are taking the show on the road, and we will be recording and broadcasting from the great state of Maine for the next four weeks. I hope to fill you in on some of the adventures of living in a cabin in the woods for the next month. Also, I have two quick announcements related to our sponsors. I'm excited to announce we have a new sponsor on the show, Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Ignite is now offering a resilient leadership assessment tool for all of our listeners, and I'll talk more about it later on the show. Also, my longtime sponsor and strength coach, Jeremy Clevenger, has just launched his new company, Liberty Strength. So stay tuned for more information on his new company as well. Just remember that these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week for free, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Well, that is it. Today we're going to be talking about leadership legacy, and my guest is retired Lieutenant Colonel Oakland McCullough. Oak is a 23-year Army veteran who has led people for more than 40 years. We sat down and talked about what makes a great leader and why leaders should be thinking about their legacy. Now, this was an inspiring conversation with an experienced leader, and I know this is going to help you along your leadership journey. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by retired Lieutenant Colonel Oakland McCullough. Oak is an author and nationally recognized keynote speaker. He has more than 40 years of leadership experience, 23 of them as a combat arms officer in the United States Army. He is the author of Your Leadership Legacy, Becoming the Leader You Were Meant to Be. And I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about the idea of leadership legacy. So, Oak, welcome to the show. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, John. I've, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. You have a lot of years uh, leading people, uh, leading people in the service and uh, in the civilian side. And I really want to learn from your experience. And I love this idea of legacy. So I really want to get into that topic as well. But let's get started. Now, you've been a longtime leader. Uh, you've worked for a lot of leaders. 
what just, you know, in your opinion, what makes a good leader? Yeah, I, I get asked that all the time. And I think that there's a couple things that really determine whether or not you're going to be a good leader. Number one, and I think that's this is number one and has to be there, is integrity and character. You know, you can't lead other people if you're if you don't have integrity, because in the in the in the end, leadership is about people and trust and people aren't going to trust you if you're not honest, if you're not of good character. So I think you have to have those two things. I think you have to set the example. You know, you're going to hold people to a standard unless you're meeting that standard. Why would they follow? Why would why would they struggle to meet that standard if you're not even doing it? So I think you got to have integrity, character. You got to set the example, and I think the third thing, which is probably just as important, is you got to take care of the people that you have the privilege to lead, and it is a privilege, um, you know. And and that that I think is where a lot of, especially young leaders, fall down on. They think that they they got to keep that leader led relationship, and they think that means they can't get to know the people that they have the privilege to lead. And I, and I, I tell them that's absolutely not true. You do have to keep that leader led relationship, but that doesn't mean that you can't get to know the people. You should get to know the people that you're, you're leading. That's how you know whether there's something wrong or you find out their strengths and you can use their strengths instead of giving them something they're not strong at to do. You can give them one of the things that's right in their power, um, power swing. So I think that's where a lot of young leaders really fall down is they they don't think they have to get to know the people they're leading. That's interesting you say that because I you know being you know from the military as well we were kind of taught to keep that separation you know it was officer enlisted keep that separation you had to have that you know that distance when you're commanding people but I found that well I was on a submarine so it was kind of hard not to get to know people because you're Absolutely. locked in a metal tube for 3 months at a time so I really you know I we stood these long watches together I really got to know my people and actually I found that to be the most effective way I could lead them is actually getting to know them and I found that that translated well when I came into the business world and just like you said you if when you know your people you know where they're at you know when they're when they're struggling with something or whether where they they don't you know uh, when when they're when they're not performing up to speed you can figure out why you know because you, right. you you know how they tick and I think that's a that's an element like you said of leadership we don't talk about enough is getting to know the people under your command because I think leadership isn't isn't um, <clears throat> it isn't one size fits all it I think not. that uh, if, if you can lead people the way they need to be led I think you're gonna be more effective. Well, you know, and, and one of the things that I always tell people, it's really simple to do and still maintain that professional relationship, but it's really, really simple to ways to, to get out there and get to know your people. Number one, I say, you, you can't lead from behind a desk. Nobody wants to follow somebody from behind a desk. Now, I got it. Leaders have to get behind a, a computer every once in a while because there's forms we've got to fill out. There's whatever, evaluations. But every chance you get, you got to get out and get out there where your people are and spend time with them. And a couple, and, and that's a good time to, to get to know people, ask questions, get to know them a little bit. But there's a couple easy ways to do it. N number one, I, I, and I tell people all the time, go out and find one person every day in your organization, just one, and find out one new thing about that person. Not about work, 
about their personal life. What's their spouse's name? What's their kids' names? What sports do their kids play? What hobbies do they have? And a good, a good way to do that, I had a had a mentor, a boss who retired a three-star general, so obviously way smarter than me. <laughs> but he he told me one day, he said, Oak, never, ever, ever turn down a chance to go get your own cup of coffee. He said, I don't care how high up in the organization you get. He said, two things happen if you're lucky when that when when you do that. Number one, you show everybody that you're leading, that you're no better than they are. You got to go get your own cup of coffee just like they do. Nobody's bringing it to you. And number two, if you're lucky, you got two or three different ways to get to the coffee pot and back to your office. And along the way, you stop and talk to people. I love that. I love that. I often say that you're going to learn more in the break room than you will in the boardroom. And I think that's that's a very similar, you know, sentiment. Just, I love that idea of go find, go a different way every time. Go get a cup of coffee. You're going to yeah. run into somebody. You're going to learn something. Well, you know, and, and the one of the concepts of that, and I'm a firm believer is, is that if you ask somebody, you call somebody into your office and you ask them a question, you will get an entirely different answer than if you go out where they work and you ask them the same question. Yes. Because when they come to your office, it's kind of like going reporting to the principal's office in high school. Yes. Been there, done that. Um, and so you're not going to get the honest, true answer, answer because they're not at ease. They're not, they're already nervous about having to come because they don't know what you're asking. You, they don't even know why they're coming probably. So they're in their mind, they're thinking through all the things that they've done that they're, go, they're about to get yelled at. Mm. So, but when you're out there where, where they work and you ask them a question, now they're, they feel comfortable. You're in their element, not them in yours. Yeah, that's a very, very important point. I love that. Um, so why, just in your opinion, why is leadership important? I mean, we could just put together teams. A lot of times I felt like uh, a lot of teams I had working for me could could run without me. They were they were hard charger. They 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 were experienced. They knew what to do. Um, and so, you know, why do we even need a leader? You know, sometimes your senior enlisted, you know, could could run your department, you know, really well. You didn't even need to be there as an officer. But um, so, what's the purpose of leadership? Why do we need leadership? Yeah, well, I would argue that even if you're not there, if if we took you out of the equation, somebody's going to step up and lead. There's always a leader, and and. And I get asked all the time, are leaders made or are they born? And I say, well, it's a combination. Mm. And if you don't believe me, go out to any soccer field this weekend and watch five-year-old to 10-year-old kids play. I promise you there's somebody, they're following somebody on that field. Nobody taught that young, young man or young lady how to be a leader at 10 years old, but they have some leadership ability and people are following them. So I think it, some of it is, is born there are people who are born with some leadership skills, but you can teach anybody how to be a leader if they want to do. If they really want to be a leader, and they're willing to put the effort and and uh, time in to do it, uh, not anybody, but a lot of most people, you can teach how to be a leader. Now, can you teach them to be a superstar? Maybe not, but you can teach them how to be a, a good leader. So, I think leadership, in my opinion, leadership defines that organization, or it should. The leader should have the vision and the plan of where you want it to go, um, you know, and and whether that's six months from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, or however far out you want to go. But they, they're the ones who, who should be defining that. And they define the culture of the organization. Those two things are huge. The vision and the plan, which is one thing for me, 
and the culture really do define that organization. And, and, and so that's the leader's num number one job on the job, besides taking care of their people um, and being a good leader, is when, once they're the leader, those are the things that I think leaders need to concentrate on. So I think the, the leader is, and you know, us in the military, we understand that you gotta train other people to step up when, in your absence, because certainly I'm just like you, I've had NCOs that could lead that organization as well as I could, maybe even better. Um, so, but, but there's always got to be somebody in charge. And I tell, I, I, I ran that into these young lieutenants that somebody is always in charge. If somebody above you is gone and something needs to be done, step up and be in charge. That's why we're paying you to be the leader. Yeah. 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 I, I often said, you know, I tell the story of showing up as a, as an ensign in 01 on my first submarine and just, you know, being around my guys were all more experienced and older than I were that I was. And, uh, but, but I had a role, a specific role to do. And my, my role was to look out for those guys and make sure that they were taken care of, that they, you know, that they, you know, the watch bill, the watch bill was right, that they had their quarters were okay. And so, and that, you know, I, they were well represented with the engineer, uh, of the ship. And so, but yeah, so we, we, um, even if you are young and inexperienced, your role you, that doesn't mean you you don't you don't step into that leadership role. Your That's job right. is to do the, the the job that only you can do as the leader. That's right. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you my first experience in in the army as a brand new second lieutenant. Um, I I I got picked to be the platoon leader. I, three of us, three lieutenants, showed up in the battalion at the same time, and two of them went to staff, and I got lucky. I got a platoon. And my platoon was already, it was already out at a range. They were practicing a dismounted live fire exercise that they were going to do that afternoon. And so I show up at lunchtime and my company commander drops me off, just drives up, kicks me out of the Humvee and says, there's your platoon. <laughs> I remember my platoon sergeant, and I'll never forget him, Sergeant First Class Penson, who eventually retired a master sergeant. But Sergeant First Class Penson, he was about six foot six, about 250 pound country boy from Mississippi. And he walks over and he puts his shoulder, uh, he puts his arm around my shoulder and said, come on, sir, let's go have the MRE lunch. And we went over, sat down underneath the tree and we're eating this MRE. And he says to me, and I'm 24 years old. And he says to me, you know, sir, you're the leader, you're the boss, you're the lieutenant, we'll do things however you want to do it. He said, but I've been in the army 23 years. He'd been in the army almost as long as I was alive. He said, I've seen it done every way you can imagine. He said, if you are going to mess up, I'm going to tell you. If you still want to do it that way, we'll do it that way. Cause this is your platoon. He said, but I'm going to tell you, you know, and there were a couple of times when I thought I'd outgrown him, I guess. And I started to make a decision on my own. And I'd walk up to him. I say, Hey, Sergeant Pinson, you know what we're going to do? And I'd tell him and he'd look at me and said, you really want to do it that way, sir? And I thought to myself, well, I thought I did, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Why would you not listen to people like that? Yeah. I'm, but, there are, but there are leaders out there who, who think it's a weakness to ask opinions or yeah. take suggestions from the people they have the privilege to lead. But if you don't do that, then you're only using your knowledge, your, your ability, and your skills. Yeah. And you don't have all the answers. I don't care how long you've been the leader. I promise you, you don't have all the answers. There are people out there that are working for you who have 
all that experience and all that knowledge and all those abilities. And you need to tap into that. Mm, powerful. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk a little bit about uh, leadership and legacy. So how would you describe uh, leadership legacy? Yeah, I get asked that all the time since obviously <laughs> your book kind of important to me with the name of my book. And I, I tell people, look, leadership to me, like legacy for a leader has two parts. A very, very small part of it is your accomplishments. Now that is part of it because in the real world, results do matter. In fantasy land where everybody gets a trophy and everybody wins, maybe not. <laughs> But in the real world, results do matter. So a small portion of your legacy is what you did, what you accomplished. The larger portion of your legacy is the leaders that you produced, mm -hmm. the next generation of leaders. And what really drove that to me, I always believed that throughout my years as a leader, but what really drove that home for me, when I was, my last duty assignment on active duty, I ran an Army ROTC program. So... I was responsible for producing the next generation of leaders for the army and for the nation. And one day, a guy who worked for me, and I say he worked for me, he was probably a better leader than I was, Master Sergeant David Powell, we're sitting there talking about the importance of what we were doing. And he said to me, he says, you know, sir, great leadership handed down from generation to generation is what develops great nations. Mm. And I thought, what a powerful quote. I wish I could take credit for that quote, but I can't. But you know what the most powerful part of that quote is? You can take that word nations and you can substitute anything you want for it. Family, church, company, sports team, hospital, food bank, university, doesn't matter because every organization needs good leadership. And it really is our responsibility as the leaders of today to produce that next generation of leaders. So your legacy as a leader is not only that next generation that you produce, but then that generation that they produce after them and then after them, because that is that generation, hand, that leadership handed down from generation to generation. And if we don't do a good job, we are going to sow what, we're gonna reap what we sowed, I promise you. So if we don't, if we don't do a good job producing that next generation of leaders, we're in trouble. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. 
This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Liberty Strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at libertystrengthtx.com to find out more and get your initial consultation schedule with him today. Your book is called Your Leadership Legacy, Becoming the Leader You Were Meant to Be. So tell us a little bit about the inspiration for the book, why you wrote it, and who you wrote it for. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I always wanted to write that book. I, for many, many years, I've wanted to write it. And I retired from the Army in 2009, ran a food bank for a couple of years, and now I'm a Department of the Army civilian until 1 October when I retire from this job. Not that I'm counting the days or anything. <laughs> um, and, and I always wanted to write that book. And so February 15th, 2020, my wife and I, I and her mom and two people who live in the condo with us here, we went to a motivational slash how to revitalize the Catholic church seminar, I guess you would call it at our Catholic church. And it was a three hour long uh, event. And the guy who was the keynote speaker, he didn't speak to all three hours. He spoke for like 40 minutes. And then we took a, you know, 20 minute break, whatever, and did other stuff. And then he'd come back and he talked for another 20, 30, 40 minutes. And then he finished it up with his last session. And every time, and he was doing what I wanted to do. He was out speaking to people about leadership and about, you know, being successful. And so every time there was a break, I went up and I talked to him and I picked his brain and he gave me some great advice and some great information. And after the last little talk, I, he, he, he got ready, he turned around, he was walking away and he stopped and he turned around and he said, Oak, have you written a book? And mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, John, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. And he said, stop thinking about it and write it. Ah. And so I, I went home that night. I wrote out the table of contents. The next day I started writing it on the 16th of February, 2020, and I published it on the 12th of February, 2021. Right. So uh, that I, I guess I just needed permission to do it, I guess. Um, but, 
Then the second part of the question, who did I write it for? And I always thought I was writing it for young, aspiring leaders, you know, people who were wanting to be a leader or brand new leaders, like the lieutenants and ensigns in the Army and the Navy and brand new people taking over in a corporation at the very junior level. And I think I did that. And a lot of the feedback I get tells me that I did a good job with that. But I've also had a lot of seasoned leaders. I had a two-star Marine Corps general who read my book. Never met him before. He Somehow he heard about it and he read my book and he contacted me on LinkedIn and he said, you know, Oak, I've been a leader now for 50 years. Never, I didn't learn a whole lot of new things from your book. He said, I did learn a few new, new techniques on how to do some things. He said, but this is what I took out of your book. As I was reading along, I thought to myself, I'd come across something. I'd say to myself, you know, I used to do that really well but I don't do that so well anymore. Maybe I need to get back and dedicate some time to doing that better. Because I, again, I don't care how long you've been a leader, you can always do better at something. And sometimes we just need that little nudge to get us back to doing things that help make us be successful that maybe we just forgot to, for, forgot about or we, we just forgot that it was something that was important because we so overcome with other things that are going on. But I think that really made me feel good to know that not just young men and women can could get something out of this book, but seasoned leaders, people who had even more experience leading than I did, took some things out of it. Well, that's good. That's powerful. And I agree with you. I think it's a lifelong journey leadership is. And I think you're right. We we have seasons in our in our careers where we're doing something right, you know, we're doing really th- good the good things right. Or maybe sometimes we get complacent, you know, that I, hey, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing, right? But you forget that the, your success in your early years were it was something you were doing that was different. And I think uh, you're right. Having that's why I think that uh, leaders should be continuously learning, continuously reading, continuously being exposed to podcasts like this, so that they can be reminded of, of that's things right. that maybe that they that they've left out of their current you know current leadership role or their current leadership uh, where they're at in their journey. So absolutely, that's a that's a very powerful. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think lots of times it's just simple things. I mean, really simple because that, that's what makes you successful are the simple things. Look, I tell people the things that it takes to be a good leader are not hard. Mm-hmm. Doing them is hard. Yeah. It, day in, day out, doing the thing that you need to do, that's the hard part. But knowing what to do is not that hard. I mean, there there's Leadership hasn't changed in 2,000 years, and it's not going to change. People come up with new buzzwords all the time. I'm sorry. The the principles of leadership are the same, and they're not going to change. So I think that that's the piece that we got to remember is it's usually the little things that we did that made us successful, and we got to remember to keep doing those little things. So you you say most of your life you've been a servant leader. So I was going to give you a chance to say, you know, tell us a little bit about what is servant leadership and how does that style of leadership impact followers? Yeah, so I I think it's, to me, it's all about taking care of the people that you have the privilege to lead. And again, as we commission all these lieutenants out of our program, I, I go to every one of them the day they get commissioned at their ceremony. And I say, look, celebrate today. Today is all about you and it's a great day. You get to do something that very few people in America get to do. You get to become an officer in the United States Army or the Navy or the Air Force, the Marines, whatever branch you want to you pick. And I say, so celebrate today. 
But just remember this. Now that we've pinned those bars on your shoulder, after today, when you wake up, it will never be about you ever again. Mm -hmm. It's about the people you serve, who are you're leading. It's about the mission. It's about the organization you serve for. It's about the army. It's about the nation. And then if we have time, we might, might talk about you, maybe. Because it's not about you ever again as a leader, or at least it shouldn't be. And, and one of the things that I talk about in the book and I talk about in my presentation and I talk about any time that somebody wants to talk to me about leadership, I always say, look, it's not about you and it's all about you. It's not about the privileges you get or the title you get or that you get more pay and you get to live in a nicer house and drive a nicer car. Now, let's face it, leaders generally get those things and that's okay as long as that's not the only reason you wanted to be the leader. If that's the only reason you want to be the leader for any of those things, go do something else, please. It's all about you and how you treat your organization and the people in your organization. And so to me, it's all about servant leadership is all about taking care of the people and the organization that you have a privilege to lead. So, so it's kind of interesting because, you know, I, I, I think that I've mostly been a servant leader most of my career, but I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And, and, and one of the things I was going to ask you about is how, how leaders get things done. So there's two elements. It's it's the people and the mission. And and I think that um yeah, I'll just open open that question out to you. So as a servant leader, how are you getting the mission done? Yeah. So a lot of people think when I say servant leader that that means you let people do whatever they want. And that's far from true. As a servant leader, you're still going to have to make people do things they don't want to do. And, and lots of times when you're doing it and you're really taking care of them, they just don't know it at that point. Mm. And I'll give you an example. You know, I, when I was a lieutenant or captain or major or whatever, if I, we were out training, I'd say, okay, here's the standard. And we're going to meet this standard today. If we meet it at three o'clock, we're going home at three o'clock. If we don't meet it till 10 o'clock tonight, we're here till 10 o'clock tonight, but we're meeting the standard. You know, and a couple of times when I kept people late, they, they kind of griped and complained. But I guarantee you, during the first Gulf War or during our deployments to Bosnia or Kosovo, when they had to meet that standard, they were happy that, that I had made them meet that standard. So that doesn't mean being a servant leader doesn't mean you let people do whatever they want. But I think the way you get things done as a leader, number one, is you develop that relationship with the people that trust. Because again, it all comes down to trust. Nobody's going to follow you willingly if they don't trust you. They may do what you tell them to do because they have to in some situations. But even then, they're not going to give you 100% probably. Whereas if they trust you, they're going to give you everything they got. So I think that's number one. You got They've got to have the trust. You have to train people to the standard that you want them to meet. I see so many leaders today that gripe and complain that people aren't meeting the standard they want them to meet, and yet they haven't trained them to that standard. How can you hold somebody to a standard you haven't trained them to? Yeah. I mean, that, that's insanity. But but there are people out there who think that, assume that they know what the standard is, and that's not the case. You have to explain what the standard is and then train them to it and hold them to it. And then the last piece of it, I think, again, where I think especially young leaders, but I've worked for very seasoned leader, leaders who didn't understand this either, is that you can't micromanage people. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a boss who retired a four-star general, 
And he said to me, he said, Oak, leadership is on a scale. He said, and on this end of the scale, you have that micromanaging, authoritarian, do it exactly as I tell you to do it guy that nobody wants to work for, that we've all worked for, but nobody wants to work for that guy or gal. And on this end of the scale, you have chaos and Attila the Hunt. And he said, you want to be as close to chaos as you feel comfortable. <laughs> he said, two things why you want to do that. Number one, because that's where creativity happens. Yes. That's where you're using somebody else's abilities, somebody else's skills, somebody else's knowledge. Not yours, theirs. And number two, he said, the way to get there is first you train them to the standard so you know that they can do what you're asking them to do. You give them the resources to do it, time, people, equipment, money, whatever it is. And then you give them the authority to make it happen. Because good leaders don't delegate things. They give people the authority to make things happen. Mm. So you give them that authority to make that happen. And then you get out of their way and let them do it. You've trained them to the standard. Tell them what you want. Tell them what their left and right limits are. And then get out of their way and let them do it. You'd be absolutely shocked at what happens. Will they do it the way you wanted it done? Or would they do it the way you would have done it? Probably not. But who cares? As long as they gave you what, they, what you wanted and they stayed within the left and right limits, who cares how they did it? Yeah, I love it. I love it when you're surprised by creativity. I, that, that to me is one of the, one of the, the things I get most excited about in leadership. When somebody does something I did, that I didn't tell them to do it that way, but they found a way to do it that I never would have came up with and, and, it, and yeah. it works. And I, I, get, I, get, I get so excited when that happens because you, like you said, you've given them the authority You've given them, so you give them the guardrails, right? You give them the goal, you give them the guardrails, and then you sort of get out of the way and let them bring their experience, their knowledge, their creativity, you know, to the table. And you'll you'll often be, you know, pleasantly surprised with the creativity. I, when you say when you say creativity, I lit up because I'm like, that's exactly what you get out of it. Is you get creativity. Now, now that doesn't mean you wash your hands of it. You know, if you're still there and you check up every once in a while, make sure they're on track and they're doing the things that, you know, kind of get on the right path to get where you want it to be. And you're there to answer questions because they may have questions. Right. And they, they may run into problems that they can't solve. Even with the authority you gave them, maybe it's not something that's above their pay grade or whatever. And you need to get involved because in the end, you're still the leader. You can give away all the authority you want. You delegate all the authority you want. You cannot ever delegate the responsibility. That is yours, period. Uh, your name is the one that's on the bottom line there, the blame line. So you you got to still maintain responsibility for it, but you can give them the ability to do it on their own. And here's the problem if you don't do that. If you become that micromanager, is And here's the evil of micromanaging, and we've all been micromanaged, and it's absolutely horrible to be micromanaged. But here's the evil. When you micromanage somebody, you cheat them out of that experience. The evil part of it is not only do you cheat them out of that experience, but now you cheat anybody who ever works for them out of that experience because they don't have that experience to pass on to the next generation. So you may be affecting your organization for the next 10, 15, 20 years, when you micromanage people. Absolutely. And it's not a good feeling when you when you're micromanaging when you're micromanaged, you feel like your boss doesn't trust you. That's right. They've got to look that they're constantly I had a boss, we 
I nicknamed him T- TQ. That's what his nickname was TQ, which was 20 questions. Cause every time he showed up, it was 20 questions about every, everything about, you know, we were doing. And, and the feeling you get when you're micromanaged is that that boss doesn't trust me. That's right. You know, and that's Absolutely. not a good feeling. It isn't. And, and again, it all comes down to trust. Leadership comes down to trust. And you know, the people that you have the privilege to lead have to know that you trust them. Because mm-hmm. trust is a 360-degree thing. It's not just you trusting the people that, you ha- that you're leading and the people you're leading trusting you. It's also them trusting each other. So, you know, Vince Lombardi had the perfect quote. He said, you know, a, a team is not a group of people who play together. A team is a group of people who trust each other. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely true. And I don't care what profession you want to talk about. It's still the truth. Um, so I think trust, you, you got to work at that trust because once the trust is gone, it's hard to get back. Mm, absolutely. Well, this has been, this has been fantastic, Oak. I really appreciate uh, all this insight. What final message would you like to leave with our audience today? Yeah. And I think it's, it's one of the things we talked about a little bit before we got on the air. Um, for me, one of the things that I try to t- instill in every leader I talk to is the responsibility to do something positive. Because as a leader, you are going to make a difference in people's lives every day, period. It's going to happen. So why not make a conscious decision to make a positive impact on somebody's life? Just one person every day. You know, in the Catholic Church, we call this thing, we, we talk about the holy moment. Go out every day and find one person and make a positive impact. I love that. Imagine how much better our communities and our nation would be if everybody in this nation would go find one person every day and do something positive for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that we can do and you can do as a leader. And I think we talked about part of your legacy is, are you leaving a positive legacy with the, with your team and, and the teams that follow or, or are you leaving problems in your wake? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, Unfortunately, a lot of bosses leave a lot of problems in their way, and uh, and it's I agree. leaders to fix those problems once they leave. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And here's a good indicator of whether or not you're doing a good job: is first of all, you got to be a mentor, mentor to people. And I think that one of the things that is a good indicator is: do people that you leaders that you produced in the past do they stay in contact with you? Do they let let you know when they get promoted, when they're moving to their next job? when they have their children, what their children are doing, all those kinds of things. And if people are staying in contact with you, then you're probably doing a pretty good job. If you don't hear from anybody ever, you probably need to look at what you're doing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been great. The book is called Your Leadership Legacy, Becoming the Leader You Were Meant to Be. Uh, fantastic book, uh, really important concept, and I'm glad we were able to talk about it. Oak, how can f- people find out more about you and this book? So you can go to my website, and uh, on my website, it has uh, a link to the book, which is on Amazon. And it also has my cell phone number, my email address, if you want to get in contact with me, just to ask questions or get to know each other a little bit better. I try never to turn down a chance to network with somebody new because I can always learn from anybody. Um, and maybe I can teach somebody something as well. Um, and if you want to have me come speak at your organization, you know, a conference or your company, I'm happy to do that as well. I'm also on all the social media and there's buttons there that you can link up with me on all the social media. And the one I really use and the one we connected with 
on was LinkedIn. That's that's the main social media that I use. Fantastic. We'll go ahead and put links in the show notes for uh, for Oaks Resources, his website, uh, and how you can get the book. Again, I think this is a really important book, and I think what you said, Oak, which is really important, this is a book that can help new leaders, but also it can be helpful for if you've been in the game a long time, it's going to help remind you of those things that you need to be doing on a daily basis if you want to be a positive leader, leaving a positive legacy. So, Oak, I really appreciate you coming on the show show and sharing this book and your experiences over the years. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on the show, John. This, this, I, I, I love coming on shows like this where it's just conversational. Yeah, absolutely. This was great. And again, it's a, it's a topic we haven't covered. And leaders, are you thinking about legacy? I, and even if you don't read the book, and I encourage you to do read the book, but take away from this episode, what are you doing to leave a positive legacy with your team, with your organization? What are you doing today to do that? And I, Oak, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, John. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the set? No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.